I want to welcome you back to this uh, series we're in called Follow Me, and uh, we're looking at the stories of Jesus' work with his disciples and how they apply to us in Jesus' call uh, to us. And if you've missed the first few in the series, really want to encourage you to, to go back. Each story uh, of Jesus with disciples kind of hits us from a little bit different angle. And today, I think I'm gonna, we're going to talk about one that's going to hit us all right where we're at. I want to invite you, if you want to go ahead and take your sermon outlines out, you can track along with me. Uh, if you want to take notes, we'll throw it up on the screen so you can follow along. I want to look at John chapter 1, beginning at verse 43. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come and do what? Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. And Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached, Jesus said, now listen very carefully to this, this we'll unpack this in a minute, but listen very carefully how, to, how Jesus addresses him. He says, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Now, how do you know about me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Everybody say, Jesus sees me. Let's do it again. Jesus sees me. That's the essence of the story with Nathaniel is that before Nathaniel ever found his way to Jesus, Jesus saw him right where he was. Now, here's what I want to start with today. Jesus sees you right where you are. Now, I want to, I want to unpack this um, little story with Nathaniel for just a second. I want, to, I want to kind of bring you into the story and give you just a little bit of background that might help this whole passage maybe make a little bit more sense. Because sometimes when you read this, you go, well, what was Nathaniel making a big deal about? I mean, I don't, I, I don't get all of that. But let's, let's make this unpack it together. First of all, Nathaniel, uh, the name is just used here in John. And most scholars think that Nathaniel uh, in the other gospels is Bartholomew, who's listed as Bartholomew. Now, whenever you see the word, uh, a name that has bar in it, bar meant son of. And so Bartholomew meant son of Talmai. And so Nathaniel is most likely the surname of the first name, uh, proper name of, of Bartholomew. So it would have been Nathaniel, son of Tamai, does that make sense to you? Which is why you don't, you don't see his name in, in other places. It kind of it helped, makes all that fit for you. He's from Bethsaida, same place Andrew, Peter, Philip were all from, which meant he was probably a fisherman. The, the name Bethsaida meant house of fishing. So most people's occupation there were about the fishing business. 
But then you see Nathaniel be brought to Jesus, and you see Jesus say a few things that you don't really catch unless you kind of dig into it a little bit. One, Jesus says, I saw you, and where did he say he saw Nathaniel? Under the fig tree. Now, we hear that, and we go, he saw him under a fig tree someplace. Well, probably, maybe, but that phrase, under the fig tree, is a rabbinic phrase that they used uh, back in the day that referred to the studying of Scripture. And we know, as you glance at the Scripture, you understand that Nathaniel was a student of Scripture. Now, how you get some hints of that is look how, look how Philip approached him when, when he came to him and he, he comes up to Nathaniel and he says, listen, we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. Now, why would he address it that way with Nathaniel? Because Nathaniel was probably known for being a student of Scripture. And very likely, when Philip found him, he probably was under a fig tree someplace, actually studying the scripture. And, and Jesus kind of calls this out. Now, you get a hint even at what Nathaniel was studying in scripture. Most likely, uh, you, you'll find it because you, you hear when Jesus talks about him. First off, he talks about him about a man, being a man of integrity. I'll come back to that. But Jesus says to him, um, do you believe this because I, saw, I said I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things. Listen to this. He said, you will all see the heaven open and the angels of God going up and down the Son of Man who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now, do you remember any other place in Scripture where they talk about a stairway between heaven and earth? Anybody remember this? It's Genesis chapter 28. It's the story of Jacob. Jacob has this dream. Uh, as God is about to, to work his promises through him, Jacob has this dream, and in this dream, there's a stairway between heaven and earth, and he sees angels going up and down, which could have represented to him the prayers of God, the uh, prayers of God's people going up, and the answers coming down. I mean, it could have been, but he has this vision. What else do you know about Jacob? What does his name mean? Any Bible Quest students in here? <laughs> what does his name mean? Deceiver. Yeah, he's deceiver. Now picture this. I want you to get this. Here's Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree, studying the scriptures, studying Genesis chapter 28. And when, when Philip comes to him and says, I want you to come and meet this guy we think might be the Messiah, when, when Nathaniel gets to him, now he's been reading about Jacob, who's this deceiver, was not a man of integrity. He was a guy, a guy that God used in spite of the fact that he was, he was sneaky and he was... <clears throat> undermining and all of this stuff, God used him anyway. Jacob or Nathaniel's probably reading this, wondering how a God, guy, God can use a guy like that. He comes to Jesus and Jesus says, now here's a genuine son of Israel, someone who's a man of complete integrity, not like the guy you've been reading about at all. Now Nathaniel's going, you saw me studying the scripture? You saw me under the fig tree? And then Jesus just really leans into him and says, oh, bud, you have no idea. Uh, you, you're, you're, you're all caught up in awe because I said this. You, you're going to see me as the son of God. You're the son of man. You're going to see me. I am that stairway that you were just reading about between heaven and earth. And all of a sudden, Nathaniel's mind is boom. He's blown. And he realizes Jesus did see him. Jesus saw him right where he was 
in all that he was going through. Nathan, Jesus knew Nathaniel better than anyone else, even though he had never met him before. Does that blow your mind? And Jesus sees you. Now, what does that mean, Pastor Steve? I'm so glad you asked. You ready? Let's unpack this. As I sat with this, I I thought about this, and I just thought, this is just some great stuff we all need to hear. You ready? He sees you in all of your doubts and fears. He sees you in all of your doubts and fears. Did Nathaniel have doubts about Jesus? Sure he did. Don't miss this. But Jesus called him anyway. How many of you would be honest enough to admit in your walk of faith, in in your journey, you've had your share of doubts and fears? Yeah. If we're honest, most all of us do. In fact, it doesn't matter even how long we've walked with God, we, we still struggle with that if we're honest from time to time. I had a great object lesson in this this week. Um, many of you are aware I've, I've been struggling with a cough for about eight weeks, six, eight weeks. And um, I ended up going to urgent care twice. I had had an upper respiratory thing going on, and, and they gave me some stuff of that to kind of calm my head and stuff down, but I, could, I just couldn't shake this cough. And I, I tried everything, cost suppressant, cost expirant, cost, you know, you, you name it, I tried it. <coughs> couldn't, still haven't got it whipped. Monday, I ended up calling my primary care doctor, who I love. Now, most of us, when we call our, our doctor, it's gonna be three months before we get in. We're gonna die of whatever we got before we see him anyway. But I, I, on a, I, just, I thought, I can't stand this anymore. So I called. They said, hey, we can get you in at 140. He had a cancellation. I said, I'm in. So I went to see my primary care doctor. Now, you gotta know, I love my primary care doctor. Um, I just started with him last year. His name is Dr. Sightsinger, right down here on, off 119th. And he is a marvelous, marvelous man. He takes time with you. Um, he asks really good questions. He's incredibly smart. And when I came in, and he started asking me questions. He was reading over the stuff, and then he started examining me, asked how long I've been dealing with it, and he listened to my lungs, listened to everything. And then he looks at me, and he says, Steve, you've got walking pneumonia, dude. And I'm like, well, no wonder I'm coughing. He said, well, yeah. And he said, this stuff they gave you at urgent care is not gonna help at all. And I said, okay, so what, what should I do? And he said, well, he, he goes, here's what we're gonna do. He said, we're gonna get you on a, on a high-powered antibiotic. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna really try to attack this thing. He said, we're gonna give you some other stuff that's gonna help uh, take the strain off. And he said, now, here, here's the problem, bud. He said, you have been coughing so hard. He said, you have shredded this flap in your throat. That, uh, and he said, that's, you, you probably keep feeling a tickle in there. And he said, you, you've been coughing so hard. He said, we've got to try to, we got to, try to heal that. And uh, so he said, I'm going to give you some stuff that's going to help with that. But here's what I want you to do. For the next 24 hours, I want you to take a swig of honey every half hour. I said, say that again. He said, for the next 24 hours, he said, I want you to get one of those little bears of honey. And he said, I want you to take two swigs off of it. He said, I want you to have two tablespoons. He said, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to coat that your throat. He said, I'm trying to coat your throat with this honey to create a barrier so that when you cough, it doesn't hurt it anymore. And I said, well, that sounds reasonable. That, make, that makes sense. And some, some of you may have noticed, they, I have my little bag with my honey in it. And while Jordan was praying, I was swigging on it. You know, I'm, I have my 
handing out, Dave Blackburn, hold that up one. Hold, hold this is so funny. This is how people love me. He put it in a little brown bag for me. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm back here. Oh, pastor's hitting on something. Uh, that's too hilarious. That's just too hilarious. So I did, I did all that, and I, but I was telling him, I said, you know, this cough is so bad. I said, I, I, I've gotten up every night for the last four or five nights in the middle of the night. I can't, I, when I lay down, it's worse. And I said, I, I, it's like it breaks loose and I can't stop coughing. In the last four or five nights, I've had to actually get up and go sit in my recliner until it calms down before I can go back to bed. I said, it's just miserable. He said, okay. He says, one more thing I want you to do. He said, I want you to take some Vicks VapoRub. And I said, well, I actually used that the other night. Coated my chest, put a little bit under my nostril. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I want you to layer the bottoms of your feet with Vicks VapoRub and put old socks on. I'm looking at my doctor like, and I said, oh, come on. And he said, no. I said, I'm, I'm looking around the room. It's like, there's a hidden camera in this room somewhere. You want me to put Vicks VapoRub? Doc, my feet are not coughing. It, it's, my, it's my lungs. And he's, I know, he said, Steve, I know this sounds stupid. He said, I know how this sounds. He goes, several years ago, he goes, I had an old nurse working for me. He said, I had a cough I could not shake. And he said, I was willing to try anything. I was willing to go out under a full moon and plant a potato or whatever, whatever I had to do to get rid of this thing. And he said, he said this, my old nurse told me this. He goes, I thought, this is ridiculous. He said, I, I layered my feet, bottom of my feet with vapor up, and it works. So I go home. I tell Wanda, Doc says, you got to rub Vicks VapoRub on. <laughs> and she said, what the doc said is you're going to die. That's what just what's going to happen. You know, you do. So I, I, I got home at night, and so I, I layer the bottom of my feet with this Vicks VapoRub, put these old socks on, look at me, and I did not cough. Are you hearing this? For the first time in five, five nights, I didn't get up. I, I, if I coughed at all, I was just a little <clears throat> in, in the middle of the night, and that was it. I mean, not at all. For the last five nights, I mean, since Monday, I have put Vicks VapoRub on my feet every night, and I have slept through the night. I'm going to start putting it on on Sunday mornings before I go to church, start coughing when I preach. But, I, I, but, I, but again, I, my doctor is a brilliant man. He's really smart. He's helped me before, but I was filled with Doubt. In spite of it, it I, I felt like, and this, this is what I kept imagining is when I woke up the next morning, I hadn't coughed. I felt like this must be what the guys felt like with Jesus when the guy's blind and he's wanting Jesus to help him. Jesus is okay, and he picks up some dirt and spits in it and puts it in the guy's eyes. And the guy's like, What in the world are you doing? And then Jesus said, Oh, go wash off. And so the guy goes, And guess what happened when he washed off? He could see. Now, again, here's what I want you to understand. We all come into this journey of faith with lots of doubts and fears. And for some of us, we may be holding back because, you know, I just don't have it all figured out yet. Well, of course you don't. It's okay. Look at me. Follow anyway. You know, I read this, and I, I, I'd never caught this before, but this, this week when I was reading this, um, I, I was looking up some verses, and this one came to me. In Matthew 28, verse 16 and 17, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Now read that last phrase out loud. But some of them what? Doubted. Now, what's amazing, what is absolutely amazing about that verse? It's after the resurrection. 
I mean, how much proof do you need? You know, Jesus has come back from the dead, and yet here it is. Matt, this is Matthew 28. This is the last chapter of Matthew just before he says, go, you'll make disciples. <coughs> and, they, <coughs> and they doubted him. That's why I put the statement on your outline. You don't have to have Jesus all figured out to follow him. Amen? Amen. Now, again, look at me for a second. It's okay. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have fears. It's okay to say, I really don't understand all of this God thing. It's okay. Come follow me and we'll figure it out. Let me give you a second. He sees, <laughs> he sees your annoying flaws and bad attitudes. He sees your annoying flaws and bad attitudes. And he invites you anyway. <laughs> Nathaniel had it. Did you pick up Nathaniel's sarcastic attitude that he have? And Philip says he's, he's the, the son of, Jesus is the son of Joseph from, from Nazareth. And what, what, is, what does Nathaniel say? Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, kind of like what we would say, can anything good come from Texas? I mean, it's just one of those, you know. <laughs> just kidding. Don't write me for you. <laughs> yeah, you, just, you know, this whole, this whole thing, he's just got this sarcastic edge about him, you know, that just says, you know, this, you know, this is that, you know. And, and yet Jesus called him anyway with all that sarcasm, with all, all that stuff. But all of his disciples have it. Have you read the stories of these guys? These guys are a mess. They're a mess. I mean, you know, Peter, all of them, Thomas, they, they all had all, all these flaws. In fact, I love this. In, in Luke chapter 9, you want, to, you want to see some attitude. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is sending some followers ahead to kind of pave the way in some of the villages he's going to go to. And some of these villages say, we don't want Jesus to come here. Okay. And Jesus was like, all right, well, I'll go some other place where other people need it. But look what the disciples, it said, when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, read it with me. Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Well, now that's attitude. You know, it's like, here, here's Jesus, grace in the flesh, and here's the disciples, let's call down some fire from heaven. Let's just torch those guys, man. That would be awesome. And Jesus is like, uh, that's not really why I'm here. That was the attitude that Jesus dealt with. Come on, it's just us this morning. How many of you would be honest enough to admit you've got flaws? Yeah. How many of you would be honest enough to admit you got attitude? Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to someone with a lot of attitude? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. We all got... <laughs> I'm back here with both arms and a leg up. <laughs> I love this. You don't think you fit in this category. I, I love this. If, if you can start the day without caffeine, caffeine or pep pills, if you can be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when loved ones are too busy to give you time, if you can overlook when people take things out on you, when, though no fault of yours, something goes wrong, if you can take criticism 
and blame without resentment, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, if you can do all these things, then you're probably the family dog. (laughs) Some of you will get that this afternoon sometime. In other words, all the rest of us, We've got flaws and attitudes. And yet, Jesus accepts us just as we are. Come on, I know there's some of you who are like me. And there are days I look in the mirror and I look at who I am and I look at some of the stuff that I still deal with and I wonder, Lord, why in the world would you call someone like me to follow you? Does this make sense to you? And yet, He does. Because he takes us just as we are to make us who we can become. That's why I put this statement on your outline. Saints are just sinners with a few more rough edges filed off. Give me another one. He sees your pain and your failures. Jesus sees you with your pain and your failures. Look at me. And he calls you anyway. Now, if, if we're honest, there are some of us who have been through some pretty painful things in our past. And sometimes that kind of pain creates scar tissue that makes it difficult to really believe in God, uh, to really understand that he really does love me or that he really does want me. Um, I remember Wanda and I had a, had a friend some years ago, um, and as we got to know this lady, found out that she had come from uh, a horrible, horrible background of abuse, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse. She had actually gone through satanic ritual abuse. I mean, just stuff that you, you can't even imagine that someone could survive. And, and as we talked to her about God, it was, it was a stretch for her to believe that God was a loving God, and yet he allowed this to happen. That God was a good God, and yet he didn't do anything about this. And, and, and as she continued to just take steps forward to, to believe that God was actually there, even as she went through some of that stuff, it was hard for her. And it took her a long time to get there before she could actually look back and see the glimpses of God that were there in her most traumatic moments. And there's some of you that can identify with this. And, and I, I want you to understand this, please. Jesus sees you, and he sees your pain, and he knows how hard it is for for you to really wrap your mind around a loving, sovereign God in this fallen world, but he welcomes you to come and find healing for that pain on the journey with him, and the same thing with, with failures. You know, how many of us in this room haven't fallen short of what God wants us to be? And some of us, can we be honest? Some of us, we failed greatly. And yet here's the deal. In spite of everything you've done, in spite of everywhere you've been, no matter how long it's gone on in your life, Jesus opens his arms of grace to you right here and right now for a brand new beginning. You know, these disciples that Jesus called, these guys were a mess. 
And they didn't, it wasn't just about they had failed in the past. They continued to fail even as they followed. You remember the story of Peter? When Peter was put under pressure, he denied, after all Jesus did for him, he denied he even knew Jesus. Thomas, when the disciples said, we've seen the risen Lord, Thomas goes, I don't believe it. In fact, I'm not going to believe it until I can put my finger in the wounds. I'm, I'm not going to accept it. Or how about when the night Jesus was arrested, when Jesus had told the disciples in advance, you're all going to run away from me. Now we'll never do that. And yet when Jesus was arrested, where were the disciples? Man, they all headed for the hills. They were no one around. And how about Paul? Here's a guy who persecuted Christians, put people to death for their faith. And yet Jesus was willing to accept him right where he was to make him into the man that he knew he could be. And I know it's hard sometimes for us to forgive ourselves, but you need to know this. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. And there's not a single disciple follower of Jesus who hasn't failed in this walk of faith. Amen? Amen. John chapter 4 Jesus is having a spiritual conversation with a woman at the well. And at one point, Jesus says, I want, you to, I want you to go call your husband. And the woman says, I don't have a husband. She replied, and Jesus said, you know, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. So you certainly spoke the truth. Please, please hear, hear my heart. Jesus wasn't trying to shame the woman. He was just trying to bring her into truth. And he accepted her right where she was with all those failures, all those flaws. He accepted her right where she was. And this woman not only became a follower of Jesus, she went to town, started telling all of her friends, I want you to come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. And several people in the town where she lived got saved because she broke out of that failure and stepped into Jesus. And that's what he does for us. Let me give you one more. Jesus sees all that bad stuff, but you know what? He also sees your future potential. He also sees your future potential. When I was thinking about this this week, I was, I was thinking about an old quote from Andrew Carnegie, a great entrepreneur back in the day, and how he, he would raise up all these, actually raised up several millionaires, several people, and they were asking him about how, you, you know, how do you do that, how do you make it. He goes, you know, he goes, these guys weren't millionaires when I hired them. He said, you, 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 have, to, you have to move a lot of dirt to find the gold. Listen to this. He says, but you don't go looking for the dirt. You go looking for the gold. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He, he saw all these disciples, just like Nathaniel. He, he saw them just as they were, all their flaws, all their failures, all their doubts, all their fears, all these bad attitudes and habits and things. that they, He saw them in all of that, but he saw something else. He saw the person they could be. What Jesus knew, Paul wrote about later in Corinthians, Corinthians 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Read it with me. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, who has become a new person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. 
That's why I put this note on in your notes. It says, when Jesus saw Nathaniel, he didn't focus on the doubter or the skeptic or the sarcastic guy. He focused on the disciple. And that's what Jesus sees in you. A few years ago, um, actually just as COVID broke, Wanda and I uh, had the privilege of traveling to Italy and uh, saw a lot of beautiful places, a lot of beautiful things. Um, there is a, a, a museum in Florence that we went to, um, the Academia. It's the Academia Gallery that has uh, most of Michelangelo's sculptures in it. Beautiful place and just amazing. I just for a guy, I can't even draw a straight line. I'm just always fascinated by what artists can do and just beautiful, beautiful stuff. But in, in the Academia, in addition to all of these unbelievable statues of David and all these other things, there, there, there are four statues that are incomplete statues. They're statues that Michelangelo started, but he didn't finish. And they talk about how Mark, Michelangelo was just a workhorse. He just loved to do that. And he would always call the, carve the sculpture from the front to the back. And, and there was these ones that he just, he just never finished, whether he thought he wasn't going to be able to do it or whatever, but he, he just didn't. <clears throat> and it's funny because they called them the slaves. I'll throw that picture up on the screen. This is one of the statues. And you can tell that this figure, this is called the Atlas Slave, and how he's maybe holding up the world as, what the, as they saw it, but he's still in this granite or marble or whatever, whatever that was that he was carving him out of, but it's just a partial person because it's incomplete. And, and the museum, they call them the slaves. They said that this is people who are still trapped in the marble that haven't yet been set free. Now, this is our story for many of us. We're still trapped. We're still caught in our past. We're still caught in our pain. But we're allowing the enemy to keep telling us we're trapped here. We can never get out. Look at me. You need to know that that's a lie. Jesus not only sees everything you've done and everything you've been and right where you are, he also sees the person you can become. He didn't see Nathaniel as this doubter and skeptic. He, he saw him as the disciple that he knew he was going to be grow into. And that's what God sees in you. Look at me. He sees you. And he opens his arms to you right where you are. Rachel's going to lead us in a, in a song. It's a beautiful Tommy Walker song that says, he knows my name and God does know your name. And he knows where you're at today. Some of you may be walking through things that are really tough and trying. Some of you may be facing things that have you scared. Some of you may be dealing with stuff and you need the help and power of God. And some of you may be something in the message spoke to you today and you're thinking, you know, Steve, I'd, I'd really like to just take maybe another step forward in my journey with God and become just a, a little bit more of the disciple that Jesus called me to be. And I hope that's true. And if we can pray for you this morning, I've got prayer partners here. I'm gonna step down on the floor. And we would count it a privilege to pray with you this morning about anything that you're walking through. Jesus sees you right where you are. And if you want, we'll come alongside of you there and pray that God will meet you right where you're at. 
Our Father, as we come before you this morning, just amazing to us that you see us right where we are in all that we've done, in all that we've gone through, all that we're struggling with in the current moment. And, and yet you invite us anyway to come and follow you. And Father, I pray. I pray for every person watching online. I pray for every person in this room this morning that we would take a step forward into your grace and into your power. That, Lord, that you would surround us with all of who you are. So often, Father, we put limits on ourselves and we hold ourselves back. We're like the, those figures stuck in that marble that just can't quite get free. And yet, Lord, you open your arms to us and you tell us that if, we'll, if we will just come to you, if we will just follow you in faith, that you'll take care of that past. You'll take care of that pain. You'll take care of those failures. And you'll take care of those flaws and those attitudes. And you'll take care of those doubts and those fears. So, Father, today I pray. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that they would know that you see them today just as they are. And you welcome them if they will just follow you. In your precious name we pray this morning. And all God's people said.